too short for this. There you go. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah. Good. Um, I feel like I should apologize to Jackie because uh, I only got sort of was trying to snap myself out of holiday mode last night and um, I should have been better uh, preparing oh, no. you for this. But thankfully you're okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm you're good with going with the flow. <laughs> this is... Um, you want me to talk? Oh, yeah, that's great. That's okay. easy. <laughs> Wait, we do have lunch to get to, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really do hope that um, these these um, these Sunday mornings are helpful for everyone. They're incredibly helpful for me. Uh, just as we pause, we take the chance just to hear what the Lord's saying, and we've done that over the last three weeks. Um, I shared three weeks ago... Uh, and then Nigel the week after and then Neville shared last week and then we're just wanting to pause and just uh, listen to, to what we think he is saying to us um, what he's uh, what he's teaching us and uh, so this is a chance just to pause and do that on that note if I can just say that there that for the midweeks the midweeks we're starting on the 8th of September the, the the book that we're talking about that David's mentioned like there's no obligation to read that um that that's not a requirement for uh engaging with our midweeks it just it potentially is a helpful tool because uh, we will be referring to it uh, quite a bit um but the idea of it is just that we're listening well that the the idea of our series that we're going to look like look at and in our midweeks is the listening life and so we're going to talk about listening to others listening to the spirit listening to our pain uh, listening to others and so um so there is no obligation please feel fully uh, present and engaged whether you are reading the book or not um and so this is what we're doing we're just trying to practice this on our on these sunday mornings just listening well to to one another and to to what god's saying and so just before we do that Jackie, just in case, I'm hoping, thinking that everybody here by now is aware of your story and a wee bit of why you're here. But just in case there's a few people that are that are engaging with us online, why don't you uh, tell us who you are mm -hmm. and how you've ended up here? Okay. Um, I'm Jackie Cobble. Um, the crazy bunch on the front row is mine. <laughs> um, we come from Jacksonville, Florida. We felt like God was calling us to Ireland at the beginning of 2019, uh, right? Yes, 2019 dates are terrible, especially with COVID. Like it's just, <laughs> who knows what day it is today? The only reason I do is because we're here. <laughs> so um, we just felt God calling us to Ireland and we didn't really know what that looked like. Um, and over the course of 2019 into the beginning of 2020, we just started to pray and ask God to show us how that would come about and what that would look like. And as God does, he answered prayers in slow moving steps, but each step just moving us closer to this place. And then, you know, after some prayer and lots of fasting and praying and <laughs> just trusting that God knows what he's doing, we're here. That's it. In a nutshell. Yes. There's so much in the middle of all know, that, yeah, but we don't have is. time for that today. Um, I'll maybe get that another day, but um, great that you're here. Uh, thanks for thanks for saying yes, and thanks for um, joining us. And as I've said to you before, and we'll say it publicly, we're, we're working this out together. Like, what what's what's the Lord doing? And yeah. uh, 
and part of that is daunting and <laughs> exciting at the same time. Yeah. And so over the last three weeks, there ha- like as we've engaged last last night of the last day or so, um, there has been a th- there has been a wee bit of a thread that's probably went through what what I've shared and Nigel and Neville unintentionally on on <laughs> our behalf. But it's just it's just good and interesting to see the thread that you've that you've pulled out a wee bit. And so um, so if we can if we can just go back really quickly to to what I shared, I was uh, I continue to be so intrigued by. Uh, by the amount of questions that Jesus asked. Absolutely. And uh, and so that's what I focused in on, and I focused in on one particular question. I love what an author said, uh, I was reading during the week, he said, asking questions was central to Jesus' work of befriending. Mm-hmm. I love that. that. So he asks, apparently it's 307 questions across the whole Gospels. Uh, he asks that many questions, and it's all central to his work of befriending. But anyway, the question that, that struck me a few weeks back was this, uh, this question of why are you so afraid? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I don't know, if just, do you want to just go off the back? Like, what, do you, what was it that, that struck you um, in the midst of that talk? I think that so many times, like, we look at fear and we're we're even afraid to confront fear like you were talking about you know you you really hit home on that desire to or that need to confront fear and i think that when i was like listening to it and listening to what god was kind of stirring in me i was just thinking you know our need for questioning and why god so jesus so often questioned and asked questions for people is because questions bring revelation you know, it, you can be given an answer so easily but you have to think about the reasoning of it. And in that, you have, to, you have to confront what the things are that you have structured in yourself, the things, the way you think, the way you process, the way you do things, rather than if you're just given an answer, then it's easy enough to just say, okay, that's the box checks. A, a box is checked. I'm done with that. I've got the answer. It's over. Whereas whenever you are questioned about something, you have to look at it and you have to begin to take it on for yourself. And so when, when we ask that question, why are you so afraid? We have to then confront the fear. You know? And I was thinking about it and I was like, how many times in my own life did I, did I question, you know, did I stand in fear rather than trusting that God was in control? I can think back of so many times when I was younger, like when I first started college, and I was praying about what God wanted me to do and all of these things. And I just, I looked at what God had called for my life and I said, no, I don't want to do that because it's too scary. Like, I don't know what you're going to ask of me. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to move. And I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to worry about that. And so for a while I ran, you know, and then I think about getting here and how we've said yes to God and how we've had to look at every single little detail of our life and just stand against fear, you know? And so having to take that fear and look at it and say, you know, Lord, is my fear of not trusting you, is, you know, is my fear greater than not trusting you? Does that make sense? And I think that's kind of where my brain started to go is just how many times have I stood in fear 
and not looked at the fear and said, in spite of my emotions in this moment, I'm going to move from fear to trust. You know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize the fear. I'm not going to push it down and pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm going to look at it and say, Lord, even though I'm fearful, like when our eight-year-old at the time said, I feel like God wants me to go on this mission trip to Peru. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I was like, you're a redheaded, pale child. You're not going to a third world country by yourself, you know? But God was, God quickly just said, do not stifle the things that are going on in your child, you know? And so instead of standing in fear and saying, no, we're not going to go, I said, okay, Lord, like we're going to trust you and trust that this is you that put that in her rather than standing in fear. Yeah, good. Um, so just to, to pick up on that line, pretending that they don't exist. Yeah. So, so, so I think there's two ways of us, and there's two ways that I think people do look at that question that Jesus asks mm -hmm. to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? As if Jesus is irritated. You can read that as he's really irritated. Right. Why are you so afraid? Like you shouldn't be. Like forget about fear. Ignore it and keep trusting. Yeah. Or you can hear it. I think, and that's how I hear it, <laughs> is it's an invitation to, to name our fear. Absolutely. It's an invitation for him to, and I think he does that with, with, with so many questions. I think his questions are invitations for us to, to go a bit deeper into what is, mm -hmm. what is going on. Absolutely. And so the importance of naming our fears mm -hmm. rather than pretending they don't exist. Yeah. Well, and that's the, I think that's big because we have to... In order to confront fear, in order to act for it actually to leave, because so many times fear can be rooted. Mm. You know, there are things mm. that fear compounds itself. It's not something that just, you know, if we if we don't uproot it when it first comes, then it becomes something that Very we good. then respond in. So we can respond in trust, or we can, or we can respond with that root of fear that's been buried so deep, because that has been our response every single time. And I think that when Jesus asked that question, he really is saying, why are you so afraid? Look at why you're afraid. Dig into what your emotions are saying, because God is not an unemotional God. He, he is an emotional God, and because he is an emotional God, we are made in his image. And we bear that same characteristic that we are emotional beings, and we can't run from those emotions. We have to look at them and say, okay, Lord, why am I feeling afraid? What's the depths of the fear here? What am I really lacking? Is it trust in you? Is it belief that you are a good God? You know, because sometimes our fear comes from such a deep place of just lacking the faith or not believing who God truly is or a false belief that we've had all of our lives because that's the way we grew up believing. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think that's so good. That the fear, fear is rooted. Because I think that to ignore it or to shove it to the side, you maybe you maybe get you maybe get the top of it off or the surface yeah, exactly. of it off. But if you don't and, pull the roof yeah. up. But but the reality is I think you can almost deceive yourself into thinking that because you've wiped the surface off, it's defeated, but it's not right. until you get to the root of it. Absolutely. It's never it's not defeated. No. And it'll come back. We'll take it, the, the roots will go deeper. As I as I brought as I brought that that talk to a close, um I used a personal example from home 
I just thought it was I just thought it was interesting that we that fear is best tamed not by argument, not by a really good technique, but by the Father's hand Absolutely. and by the Father's authority that He is that He is with us. You're happy with that? Was that a, was yeah. that a good way oh, to finish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, amen. <laughs> so, it's like, so that so that, that that idea sort of leads us into where where Nigel yeah. then brought us to Nigel's. Uh, I think he named it the case for a good good father. Yeah. Um, and he he talked about the tendency of society to blame God, mm-hmm. but then he put it on us and said, like, how often have we maybe misrepresented His nature? Um, so there's there was lots that there's lots that. Nigel maybe prodded that, so was there anything in particular that you... Well, so when Neil and I were talking about this a little last night, because, <laughs> you know, uh, he had mentioned, um, like, the vulnerability of God, and my first reaction to that was, our God is not vulnerable. Yeah. Like, he, he is not vulnerable, because vulnerability, the definition, because I looked at the definition, because that's, that's how I am, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, our God is not vulnerable. He doesn't put himself in a place where he can be harmed or, you know, all of these things, and God quickly was like, no, actually, <laughs> he's like, you have taken on the characteristics of what the world has put on the word vulnerable, but vulnerability is actually a really good thing. He's like, vulnerability brings intimacy. It's the thing that draws us closer. It's the thing that keeps us in community and keeps us constantly looking at our fears and looking at our emotions and processing things. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) I was like, and I thought I knew, (laughs) you know? But God was quick to, to, to reject that and to say, no, I am a vulnerable God because I do put myself in a place where I can be rejected. I do put myself in a place where I will die on the cross for you, you know? And so how many times do we often put, because what I thought I got from Nigel's message was something kind of different, like that we as people put our own, backing on things on the characteristics of God so when we think of God as a holy God well what do we as people believe is holy and what does God define as holy you know and so as I'm sitting there with this word vulnerable God's like well this is how you define vulnerable but here I define it like this and this is why it is good and this is why I am this is one of my characteristics yeah that's good yeah so I, I did like I just appreciated um, it was Nigel brought that, that, that up. He went, took us to Jeremiah 3, um, verse 19, and, um, and talked about, like, in spite of all the rebellion, in spite of all that the, that the children of Israel, his people, in spite of all that they had done and their continued walking away, the, the heart of God was, I, like, I wanted, I thought that you would call me father. I, like, yeah. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. And it's almost the sense that vulnerability of yes. God and it does like it does jar a wee bit like it, it does, does jar a wee bit the way that it well, because that you're honestly saying because we want God to seem like this fixed hard character that we can always rely to be just so and just the way we think he should be you know and like he follows these sets of rules and he does all these things but the reality is is God is so much greater than we can fathom he's so much beyond what we can even understand that he doesn't always fit the mold that we say he should, you know? Yeah, yeah very good. And so, so what I mentioned to you that this morning, that there's the, these two trains of thought, and I think, um, I suppose there may be a bit of fluidity to it, but I think you could find yourself on one, 
one side of the coin or the other. So divine, like sounds really fancy, divine impassibility, essentially meaning that there is nothing external that can affect God. So like he's, he's unmoved right. by our emotion. He's unmoved by anything external. So you ha- that's, that's one train of thought, or you have the divine pathos, which means that th- there is one, he is one who feels pain. Like it, it evokes what he sees and what, what as he engages, as he sees what's going on around the world, it, it evokes pain in the heart of God. It, like it causes suffering in the heart of God. And so there's the two ways of looking at it, that either he's unmoved emotionally or he fully engages with our suffering and with our pain. Well, see, and I think that there's, <laughs> I think there's a middle ground to that. Yeah. You know, I think that there's, it's not that God is unmoved. Like we, like I said, he, I, or at least what I believe about God is that he is an emotional God and he is moved by our pleas and our cries. You know, we see it, like I said, on Mount Sinai, like I was talking about earlier on Mount Sinai, when Moses is crying out to God saying, please, God, don't destroy these people. They just don't know what they're doing. They have no idea, you know, and they don't know the weight of the things that they're doing. And God says, I will spare these people because of you, because of your heart for them, because of what you're doing. You know, we see that God isn't so fixed that he is uncaring and unkind, but there are definitely things that he is fixed on. Does that make sense? Like sin is sin, and whether if we are unwilling to hand over that sin, then God can't move for us. He, He is the God that gives us free will and choice, and because of that choice, he's not gonna force himself on anyone, you know? And so in reality, he could, he could absolutely say, all people are gonna know me and all people will accept me because I'll make them. He could do that, but he doesn't because he wants people to choose him. So I think yeah. that there are things that are, are fixed, but not all things are fixed. Yeah. Sorry, I live in the no, messy no, that's, middle. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, you, you'd said in the message yesterday, I don't know if you wanna, if we'll come back around to this, sort of like the from Nigel's talk, there can be a fear of saying yes to the doors that he opens. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the cycle, so the, then the cycle of uh, remaining bound to fear continues. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I guess go go to Neville's talking about. I can I can connect it that way. Yeah, okay. Go for it. <laughs> Um, you tech, do you want to take us there? <laughs> okay. I don't mean to take us there. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter to me either Go way. For it. Go <laughs> for it. So I was thinking about, you know, Neville really talked about courage and how, you know, um, he used David and Goliath as a big example in all of his stuff and how when God asks us to do things, they're often bigger than what we think or imagine we could possibly do. And moving here, let me just tell you, was bigger than I ever thought we could possibly do. But here we are, we're sitting here because God is good and because he is faithful and because he really does move in every single step of the way. Um, but when, when we often look at fear, when we look at things that God calls us to, sometimes he'll give us a picture of down the road and we'll look at it and we'll say, oh God, that's, that's bigger than than what I could do. Like, I can't do that. 
And often we'll say, I'm, I'm too afraid to actually move in that, or I'm too afraid. So I felt that God was calling me to speak in settings like this and teach and stuff when I was very young, when I was about 17 or 18. And honestly, this makes me sick. Like, <laughs> it, it really does. Like, getting up in front of people, like, it makes my stomach feel upset. I feel, once I'm up here and I'm, like, the Holy Spirit is doing his thing and I'm not doing my thing, it's perfectly fine. But <laughs> when, I, when I had the thought of even doing something like this, I thought, there's no way. I can't do that. And so for about 10 years, I ran from that calling. I, I looked at him and I said, you know, God, I can't do that. That is beyond what I could ever possibly do. There's no way that I could ever get up on a stage and talk to people and tell them about who you are and teach them about the depths of your love and your kindness and your goodness. And I think that so often when God calls us to things, like Neville said, it is beyond what we can beyond ourselves. Because if God called you to something you were so talented and gifted in, then you wouldn't be doing it in his strength. You'd be doing it in your own strength. Yeah. And so when God calls us to something, it is outside of our natural selves most of the time. Not to say he's not going to use your giftings or your talents. He absolutely does. I mean, there are giftings and talents that he uses in me all the time. But the thing when he calls you is he's trying to call you into deeper relationship with him and to show people that God is bigger than what we can even think and imagine, you know? And so when we are called to something, there has to be a bit of miraculous power that goes into it, you know? Because if, if it's just us doing something that we can naturally do well, then where's the God in it all, mm. you know? Like, I mean, what's, what's the point of that? Yeah. We're here to glorify him. And so we look at that fear and we say, no, God, I can't do it, where God is standing there saying, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking, I'm asking you to trust me to do it in you, to change you, to shape you, to make you new, to build you up, to do these things. And then when we say no, and we say, no, God, that's, I'm too afraid to step into that, then everything we do on top of that, because our walk with God is a walk, it is a, it is a path that we take. And so when we don't take that path, we end up circling back. And God just keeps bringing us back to that same place until we are willing to say yes. I can tell you, 10 years from the place that I first said no to God, he brought me back to that very first place again. I, I remember sitting in our church back in Florida when we first started going there. And I felt the Lord say to me, Jackie, you have the opportunity to say yes the right way this time to say yes to doing hard things, to say yes to walking in the path that I have for you because you know that you are called to this. Mm. And I, I remember saying to him, this time I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. Good, well, wow. um, that's really good. I, yeah, I, w I got listening to Neville during the week when I was out for a walk and I actually had a prop to bring with me the, this morning because whenever I was listening to him, I was walking along the stones, found a pretty large stone and uh, I wanted to bring it to show this is what Neville was speaking about, about becoming a little bolder. Yeah. No? <laughs> no? Come on. <laughs> bolder is in, no? <laughs> All right. Um, so that, like, that, that idea of, of, of looking beyond earthly courage. So I'm with you in that. Like, I'm the same every, every Saturday, or every, yeah, every Saturday night, Sunday morning, the stomach churning yeah. about getting back up here. <laughs> 
Especially when you're telling amazing jokes and nobody laughs, it makes like the <laughs> stomach churn even more. I'll give you the pity laugh every time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so maybe, well, I, I don't know if you want to speak about this, but I was struck. One of the things that struck me about what Neville was sharing was that act, an act of courage, acts of courage, do something among a community. Absolutely. And so I say that I say that about you guys. I say that about you and Kenny and your five girls, all of you. Like that is, it's an act of courage to say yes. It's an act of courage to pack up all that you've known, your home, all that your kids know, uh, and move to the other side of the world saying, saying yes to Jesus. And so what, it's an act of courage, but I think, as Neville said, it does something among a community. I Absolutely. think it does something among us that, like, whenever, because I think courage is, it's contagious. Like whenever you see yes. acts of courage, it does something among a community because it's like, we it's, can do that. It's spiritual unity. Yeah. You know, the, the spirit of God that's in me is in you, is in every person in this room. You know, whoever calls the father by name, that, I mean, we have the same spirit living in us. And so when, when I am lifted up and I am obedient to God and I'm doing the things that he's called me to do, it's, it's easier for all of us to be bolstered in that. Um, Olga, and Olga's been driving with me because <laughs> I'm learning how to drive a manual, so just uh, you don't want to be behind me, sorry. <laughs> but she's been driving with me, and I mean, it's not easy to be on the other side of the road using your non-dominant hand to drive and, and not knowing how to drive a manual. I mean, I learned, what, 20 years ago? Let's, let's not count how old I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I learned so long ago how to drive a manual and then never drove one again because in the States, almost every single car is automatic. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, okay. I sh and she's encouraging me to go out and do it and encouraging me to do these things. And so her encouragement was encouraging me to do it. And then from my driving and persevering through it all and saying, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn. I'm going to practice even if, even if I stall out in the middle of the road and everybody's like, why are you here? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're still trying. And in that, she came back to me the other day and said, you know, the Lord was working on me in this thing and you had courage mm. to do the things right. that were hard. And in that tone, like, and she was like, and that gave me courage to do this hard thing. Right. And it, it's, it's so cool because I mean, Olga barely speaks English and I, I don't speak any Russian. She's amazing. She's got most of the conversation going. And so the spirit of God that's in me is building her up and it's building, you know, each person around us. And it's incredible how God is just, it's infectious. You know, when one person yeah, is courageous right. and can stand up and say yes to God, that faith is then given out to the rest of the body. Mm. That's why it's so important that we're, we're in church and we're in community and we're building one another up and we're building those relationships because without that, you're an island. And even though you have the same spirit, you're not getting the testimony. You know, God tells us the power is in our testimony. And the more we talk about what God has done in each of us, the more he, his spirit just goes out of us. You know, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, I'm even thinking, like, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking of what, like, the story that David started with this morning. Like, because I'd love that acts of courage would become infectious in the, like, within the four walls. Yep. But like for just to stay here, oh, that would no. be it would be awful in some ways because like there's something there's something bigger and greater beyond our earthly courage that God wants to do in our community. 
So I think of what, the, like, it maybe didn't feel like it for David, but for me, if I was to pray the bold prayer that David prayed mm-hmm. for somebody who's not interested in faith, I was, that's an act of courage. And actually to hear somebody respond to that years later, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah. it done something in the community. It done something outside of the walls of the church. And so that's what excites me. And in, should, we, uh, it does excite me. Like, I'm so weird that a litter pick, there's part of a litter pick that does excite me. Because it's actually in those conversations that you're beginning to tell people the stories of courage. You're yeah. beginning to tell those people that, that don't know Jesus or that are sort of dipping in and out these stories that people are drawn towards. Well, when you do it here, like when, when you make that a practice here in the four walls, it becomes a part of who you are. And then you can't help but do it out there. You know, like if you ever come up on me in the grocery store, like you, you have a conversation with me. If anybody tells me something's wrong, I'd be like, oh, God is so good. Like, let me just tell you how God changed my life in this way or this way or, you know, like you just can't help it. It becomes, it just becomes second nature. Like you don't even think about it. And then you're like, I don't even know if this person knows God. Like, I don't even know if they even care about God or if they're offended by what I'm saying. Like you just, you just say it. And then you're like, well, hopefully that lands right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, was there anything else from what Neville shared, just around those things of courage, around stepping in or stepping on, or st- any of that sort of spark anything? Um, so for me, it was, I, I don't want us to go off no, you're on good. a tangent necessarily, because I think Tangents like, of our life, you're fine. But, the, the, but what, <laughs> what Neville shared about that stepping, that stepping aside, and I think what struck me about your mm-hmm. honesty around that, your reaction to the vulnerability of God being like, are yeah. you, you going to go there? And I was like, yes, Jackie, let's go there. Let's, <laughs> let's face off this morning. Um, but, uh, but almost that idea, that courage, that's one of the things that I thought of when Neville's talked about stepping, the courage to step aside. And for me, it was like, there sometimes requires courage to step away from your preconceived ideas. Absolutely. So, so you have, because there's safety in the known. Mm-hmm. Like there's safety yeah. in whether it's right or wrong, there's safety in just doing the thing the way that you've always done it, mm-hmm. believing the thing that you've always believed. And there's, yeah. a, I think there's a courage in stepping away from those pre, preconceived ideas that yeah. requires courage. Absolutely. Um, I, I grew up in a very conservative, more reformed background of a church. And so when I was, when I was growing up, you know, rules needed to be followed, things needed to be done as, as they should be, you know. And I'm not saying that we don't have rules or that we don't have um, clear-cut guidelines at times. But I think that so often we, we get so fixated on our preconceived notions, the things that we have grown up and that we've been taught for years, that we, it becomes the thing that we believe in. It doesn't it's the thing that keeps us trusting God instead of actually trusting God. It becomes this fixed thing that we hold on to rather than clinging to God. And so when we, when we have all these notions in our minds, we're afraid to let them go because we're afraid that what we believe will be so shaken that it will mess our whole entire world up. You know, I, I grew up in a place where the gifts of the Spirit wasn't like discernment was okay like that was one that people still had you know but other others weren't as 
you know, others weren't there anymore. You know, God heals, but he heals through, like, medical means. He doesn't miraculously heal and, you know, things like that. And I remember when I had just started going to a, a church that I did an internship with, and they were talking about, you know, tongues and healing and all of these things, and I thought, God, am I in the wrong place? Like, because this is not theologically accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lord said, your theology is wrong. And, and in that moment, I just, I, I just sat there and I was like, then what else is wrong? You know, and that shook my faith. And like I said, in that, in that season of my life, I went through a season of running because I was too afraid to confront what I already knew you know, and just say, is what I know actually accurate, or are you different than who I thought you were originally? You know, in marriage, I think marriage is a really great place to look at confronting the fear of change and the fear of that we might not know it all, because I think that's our biggest desire is just to know. We want to know that we're right. We want to know that we have all the pieces. We want to know that we, you know, that we, that it's really, we want to be right. It's pride. Like, let's be real. <laughs> a lot of it is pride. We want to be right. We want to know that we're right. And we want to be able to tell people we're right, right? And I know I do. I like being right. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but the reality is, is like in marriage, we, we change. We know more and we do more. And if we're not constantly confronting, okay, well, yes, this person was like this yesterday, but today they're not like this and I can't continually hold on to who they were in the past. I have to let go and let them be who they are now. Does that make sense? You know, and so with God, we have to recognize that we don't know him as well as we think we do. And the more that I get to know him, the more I feel like I don't know him. Does that make sense? Like you feel closer to God, but at the same time you recognize that you know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been there. I relate to I relate to much of that, um, which is probably why some of what Nigel shared was really personal for me because I know that actually there was stuff that I grew up understanding God like so th so believing that to be right was the goal that God was going to judge me and how right I was, and uh, and that it had to be black and white. And I discovered that actually I He is more than willing for me to encounter Him in the gray. Absolutely. Like I was had all these preconceived ideas about his nature and who he was and uh, and it was like it was really unnerving to let go of some of those things that I thought were really important yep. but actually I found that the, the, the less and people have probably heard me say this before but I found actually the less I feel like I know less than I've ever known but I love Jesus more than I've ever done yes. in some sort of strange way yeah I was listening to um some of the older theologians from the States, like, uh, um, I think it was MacArthur and uh, what's the other guy's name? I don't remember, but like some of, some of the more conservative reformist beliefs, you know, they were talking and they were saying about our generation, that our generation has just thrown their hands up and said, well, I can't understand that about God, so I'm not going to understand it about God and I'm not going to pursue it. And I don't think that's accurate. I think what we've found ourselves in is that we've said, I'm going to pursue the understanding of truth. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to search it out. But when I come to a place that God says, not yet, 
then I'm not going to pursue beyond what he has asked me to pursue in this moment. And I'm going to trust that when the time is right, he's going to bring understanding where understanding needs mm. to come, you know, and that's, that's allowing God to be God and reminding ourselves that we will never know everything and that we can only know what God has allowed us to know, yeah. what he has given us to understand. Good. Um, I'm just aware of the time. Um, yeah, if you have anything more, no, I'm good. you're good. Okay. I think what Neville, how Neville finished last week is probably a, a pretty good way to finish again this week because I think the thread through the last maybe three weeks has been around fear. And, um, and, and Neville finished off last week by saying the greatest antidote to fear is an awareness of the presence of the Lord and I think that's in some ways that sounds really simple but in, in, in it's so key it's so critical isn't it yeah. um yeah so that's good um again going back to the book a, a reference at the start that I would recommend Dan White Jr. wrote a book called Love Over Fear and uh, and he said that only love has the power to win the war right. against fear so um so let me pray father I thank you for this time I thank you for uh, just the opportunity to uh, to listen to one another. Thank you for the opportunity to listen to uh, to your word, listen to your spirit. Um, and God, we just pray that you continue to align our hearts with yours. Pray that you would help us to align our hearts with one another. God, I, I uh, just so conscious of there is there is much God that would that would. Um, in these days that would cause fear to grip us, grip our hearts and grip our minds. Um, and God, we're just, we're just so conscious that we need one another, God, to, uh, to navigate through times when, when fear seems so much more contagious at times than love does. And, and um, we thank you for your perfect love that, that deals with all of our fears. Thank you for that it is your presence, God. It is an awareness of your presence that is the greatest antidote to our fears. God, I just pray you would just still a level of courage within us, God. Um, just crying out for courage even in, in, in how we pray. God, I pray you would cause us to be people that would pray courageous prayers, um, ready to be courageous in how we respond. Um, God, as we, as we think about our families and our neighborhoods and our communities, God, I just pray that you would instill courage within us, God, that would... Uh, that the story of hope, that the stories of life and freedom would, uh, would be contagious, that that would be the thing that would be more contagious than any fear or any external thing that would try to take over. And um, so Holy Spirit, we just pray to fill us and equip us and power us, God, as we, as we go about our day and our week. Um, God, I just think of the kids, some of the kids that will start back at school, some of them that will start new schools, some of them, God, that will be anxious, some that will be looking forward to it, some, God, all sorts of emotions. God, I just pray you'll bless them as they start back uh, this week. God, thank you for all that's going on. We just pray for this weekend, pray for your favor. Um, the concerts, God, we pray that you would, uh, that you would bless them. Um, Pray for all that's going on within our community, all that's going on as we continue to dream about what we could do in this place for the young people in this community. Pray, God, that you would continue to inspire and lead us collectively as family and mission. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thanks, everyone. Uh, sorry we went on a bit there. Blame Jackie. Thank you so much, Jackie. That was so good. Really helpful. Enjoy your day, everyone.